0: We consider then Hebrews 11 verses 23 down to verse 31. The verses form a distinct paragraph. From a child born, the deliverer Moses, until the deliverance of a Gentile woman called Rahab. So we're starting at the deliverer born and we're finishing at the conversion of a Gentile. Moses to Rahab, from an endangered child to the rescue of a harlot woman. The story is from Exodus to Joshua. It's a long story. Paul passes over the story in nine verses. It's the history of redemption. The apostle is covering it now in this text that is before us. The story of Israel's salvation To the story of the beginning of the bringing in of Gentiles. That's what we have. So the history of redemption in nine verses. The first word of the section is faith. By faith Moses was hid. And the last word is peace. She that is Rahab received the spies with peace. Faith. Leads to the peace. Faith concludes with peace. Therefore being justified by faith. We have peace with God. And that's where the history of redemption leads to. To all Israel being saved. And to the Gentiles coming to peace. So we have a remarkable story here. And it prefigures an even more remarkable story of redemption. The real, the full, the true story of redemption. Here in this old covenant redemption. We have a prefiguration of the new covenant redemption. Paul is surveying the history of the old. And in doing so he is prefiguring the new. That's what we're saying tonight. There's a picture here. He's setting forth a type of the great deliverer. Jesus Christ, who is the glory of Israel and a light to lighten the Gentiles. You see, there's another prophet, greater than Moses. You remember Moses says, the Lord will raise up another prophet, like unto me. There will be another one raised up, another Moses, and that's Jesus Christ. And Moses, the great prophet, the great deliverer raised up here, is picturing Jesus Christ. And Moses knew he was a prefigurement of Christ. Because he said, like unto me, there's a mirror likeness. Perhaps you say, this is far-fetched. You know what you're doing tonight, preacher. Seeing the redemptive history in this passage. I don't bring in the name Christ into this. Paul does. What do you have there in verse 26? Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. It's Paul who's bringing in Christ. It's Paul who's telling us Moses is sharing the reproach of Christ. Moses is bearing the marks of Christ. Moses is murrowing Christ. He's identifying with the Christ, with his sufferings, with his work. And so he is mirroring the Redeemer And he enters a path that is Christ-like. Moses is a type of Christ. That's what we're saying tonight. The story, you remember, begins after nearly 400 years of silence. What do we have there in verse 22? Joseph um, giving commandment in Israel concerning his bones. And then the next thing we read of a baby in the Nile. That's 400 years. 400 years from going down into Egypt. Until the deliverer is born, who is the one to bring them out? Four hundred years, and it's passed over in silence. And Israel is in bondage, in the darkness and the oppression. Four hundred years, and God is silent. Hard bondage, bitter bondage, darkness, slavery, servitude, misery, bitter crying. Four hundred years, and God is. Silent, but the silence is broken by the cry of a little baby, by an infant born and hid and taken up out of the waters, who is to be a deliverer, a child sent by God, a child who is to be a saviour. But the child is in danger, you notice. He has been born to set the people free, And he's in jeopardy of his life. Doesn't it say he's hid three months of his parents. So Satan senses the liability of his kingdom of darkness. And he attacks the, the, the boys, the male, the men. Because he knows that in sons there is hope of a savior. No sons, no hope of a savior. No son, no seed of the woman. No male descendants. No deliverers. No salvation. And so he aims at the boys. He slaughters the boys. He kills the males. But Moses is protected. He's hid by the faith of his parents. The devil is kept from harming him. Even though the devil has through Pharaoh made a decree that all the males should be killed. And so this deliverer is delivered himself. And spurned to be the deliverer of Israel. And Moses had parents who had faith in order to that. By faith he was hid. That is by parental faith. The faith of his parents. His parents trusted God. His parents feared God. His parents did not fear the king, the wicked king. And didn't fear to disobey the decree. And they hid them as long as they could for three months. The faith of believing parents always sees the danger to their children. Believing parents always want to hide their children from the danger. And you ought to hide your children, Christian parents, by prayer. And you ought to hide them under the word of God. And you ought to hide them in God's house, in the church. And you ought to hide them in Christian teaching. And in bringing them up under Christian teaching and ministry and education and so they hid him because of this faith of theirs and as well as that they saw that he was different they saw that he was a proper child that means he was beautiful that means he was a a lovely child he was fair there was something that stood out about him as special he had a captivating beauty that increased their sense of burden that they had to protect him and hide him, one so fair one so good, one so beautiful, they had to hide they they couldn't allow to be destroyed and so for three months they hid him and after that God did all the rest oh what marvellous faith those parents had what worthy parents they were to Moses and to Christian parents I say here is your model In these two parents. Here is your pattern. Whose faith follow. So a baby's cry. Broke the silence of 400 years. But you know there is another gap of 400 years. In the Bible. After Malachi. That last prophet. The prophet of the covenant. The prophet who talked so much of Christ. Who was to come. The last voice. And then 400 years of silence. No more voices from God. Israel has trouble after trouble. Israel goes through all kinds of difficulties for four centuries, misery and bondage, has an awful time of the cruelty of Atticus, Epiphanes, the cruelty against the people of God, and then later on they had the iron Roman occupations, and all the while God is silent. He's silent four hundred years. But the silence is about to be broken. A child born breaks the silence. His name is Jesus the Christ. In the life of a poor couple, a peasant couple, but a couple of great and wonderful faith, found in Bethlehem where they are, as that little boy comes forth from the virgin's womb, the silence is broken. Unto you is born this day, in the city of David, a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. In the midst of the oppression, and they are in Bethlehem because of the Roman captivity and the decrees of a king. And there's no room in the inn. And there's this oppression, and she brings forth her firstborn son, and wraps him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger isn't just like a, the little one being laid in the ark wrapped up and laid in the ark it's the little one, Moses being protected, the deliverer being protected by parental faith by the faith of his parents by the faith of his mother the virgin Mary and his foster father Joseph God gives to him parental faith to hide him, to love him, to protect him As with Amron and Jacobed, the parents of Moses, so with Joseph and Mary, parents of faith, parents who believe God, parents who trusted God, and Israel's deliverer is put into good hands in his infancy. And the Savior of his people is born in a dark night, born to set his people free, born to save them from their sins, and faith is part of the story, the faith of his parents, the just and pious Joseph, and the trust and faith of that godly virgin. They also saw that the child born was a proper child, a good child, yes, the most beautiful child of all, a captivating beauty because he has an untouchable holiness, He has an array of glory about him. He is that holy child, Jesus, who has been born. A proper child. The best child. The most lovable and lovely child. The Emmanuel. The Word made flesh. None so good. None so glorious. None so pure. Further than all. Further than all the children of the earth. The furthest of ten thousand the altogether lovely one, the most beautiful. They saw that he was a proper child, and they didn't fear the wrath of the king. The king Herod, who issued a similar decree, that all the boys should be destroyed in Bethlehem, the male infants should be consumed, and they didn't fear the decree of the king, but in faith and obedience to God, they hid their child, and they fled. Hiding him, going down into Egypt where Moses was as a child too. So Jesus and Moses are both in Egypt and both these sons are called out of Egypt. Moses is a type of Christ, prefiguring him. And so by faith Joseph and Mary hid Jesus. So the child born to be our saviour is marvelously preserved He who is to lead us out in the exodus is marvelously preserved, cradled by his mother, cradled by Joseph, hid by them, hid by their faith. And now he cradles us and he hides us who was hidden in his mother's arms. He hides us in his grace. So Paul tells us, Not only of a child preserved, but also of the child growing up. Because he comes to years. And as he comes to years, he seemed to be God-fearing and godly. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. He chose to refuse the pleasures of sin. He rejected the treasures of Egypt. He looked forward to the reward. He forsook Egypt and he endured. And he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. You read all of this. And that's the faith of this deliverer himself. This goodly child is good indeed. This goodly child is godly indeed. This goodly child is faithful. He grows in stature and wisdom and comes to full years And he's faithful. Always faithful. Refused, as I said, to be named by the world. He turns us back on the world. He overcomes all the temptation. He chooses the path of suffering. He chooses the path of affliction. He chooses the path of the cross of Jesus Christ. The path of reproach. The path of burning shame and scoffing root. He chooses that path. And he refuses the pleasures of sin. And he bears the shame. And he's tempted and tried. And he's pursued by the wicked one. And all the glory of Egypt is held before him. But he rejects it. He refuses it. He turns his back to it. And he views the heavenly home. And he looks above unto his heavenly father in heaven. And to that heavenly country. Always resisting the temptations of Satan. And he continues the pilgrimage like Abraham. And he does it by faith. All of it by faith. And he faced the wrath of the God of this world. The devil himself. An old Pharaoh. But he did not fear it. But rather he overcame it. He overcame the king of this world. He overcame the Pharaoh. Who is a God in the eyes of his people. For he saw God. He saw God by faith. He had fierce vision. And this made him an overcomer. And he continued on to the end. Despising the shame. Despising the reproach. Despising the suffering. Keeping his eyes looking on to the heavenly reward. That's Moses. Called by God from the bush. He heard the voice. Set my people free. And with staff in his hand. The pilgrim became the deliverer, savior, working miracles with that staff, working mighty works in Egypt, manifesting the credentials of a man of God, one sent by God, called by God to be the savior. He's manifesting the mighty works of God in all the plagues that he brings on Egypt. And as the one from the ark of the bulrushes thus grew, So it was from the one with the manger. We see the mirror likeness. We see the image. He grows in stature as well. He grows in wisdom. He is a proper child who becomes the proper man. The good and holy holy infant who becomes the good and godly holy man. Faithful, true to the end. Growing in favor with God and with men. Christ called also to set his people free. To set them free from their sins. Called to be a deliverer and a saviour. He chooses the path of the cross. He turns his back to the world. Even when Satan offered it to him. He presented to him all the world in its glory. He gave him a vision as glorious as Moses had. Of the vision of all the riches of Egypt. Satan showed to Jesus the same vision. All of this can be yours. You can be a king over all of this. You can be a pharaoh over all the world. If you but fall down and worship me. But Jesus despises the offer. And he rebukes the tempter. And he turns his back to Satan. And to the temptation. Christ refused. Christ refused Egypt. Christ refused the glories of this sinful, fallen world. He refused to bow down. He chose the path of suffering. He chose the path of suffering with and for the people of God. He chose the cross. He chose Calvary. He chose the reproach. He has the call of his Heavenly Father. Set my people free. From their sins. And that is all that consumes him. And he goes out. In the work of that. I am come that they might have life. I lay down my life for the sheep. I bear the reproach for the sheep. For the flock. And he overcomes the king of darkness. And he fears not the wrath of hell. Rather they tremble. In his presence. He treads the serpent's head. And he overcomes. And he sees his father. His invisible father. All was seen. his father. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said. Father the hour is come. Glorify thy son. that thy son may glorify thee. It's his hour of temptation and trial. But he sees him who is invisible. He eyes the father's house. Who for the joy that was set before him. He takes the reproach. He bears the suffering. He bears the shame. He despises the agony. Because of the reward that he views. The glory of the heavenly country with his people. That keeps him going. Has it kept Moses going? You see how Moses mirrors Christ here? And Paul is setting the words in such a way as to do so. He has the credentials of the sent one. And he does the works of the sent one. Just as Moses worked many wonders in Egypt... So Jesus worked mighty wonders in the land. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the work's sake. I have the credentials of one sent of the Father. I have the credentials of a deliverer, of a Savior who sets his people free. And so he turns water into wine. Moses turned water into blood. But the richer grace of Jesus Christ. Turns the water into wine. He doesn't smite with leprosy. But rather he heals a leper. He doesn't kill people and smite them dead. But rather he raises the dead. As he sets his people free. He makes the blind to see. He makes the deaf to hear. He feeds the bread to the multitudes. So that they're all satisfied, he delivers from Satan. He sets free from demonic power. Pharaoh knew God was at work in Moses. And in Jesus Christ, Satan knows that God is at work in his son. who has powers and wonders and mighty signs showing that the redemption is at hand. That the exodus is near. This one who does the wonders. This one who does the miracles and the signs and the works. This is the one to bring us out. This is the one to set us free. It's Jesus Christ. It's all prefigured here. The apostle goes on to describe how he bears the marks of Christ's reproach. And then he goes on to the Passover. He kept the Passover. He kept the sprinkling of the blood. He passes through the waters, through the Red Sea, as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do, were drowned. He passes through the waters with all of God's people, this Moses. Having kept the Passover, having the blood, having been shed, he passes through the deep waters as on dry land. His people are baptized onto him in the sea and in the cloud. And he brings them through. And to the other side. He brings them into the waters. And he brings them out of the waters. Their deliverer. Moses. Baptized. But not drowned. Moses saves his people. As they are baptized. Unto him. And the Egyptians are drowned. The waters that saved the people of God. drowned the enemies of God. And Christ. He kept the passover. He says, I have to keep the Passover with you. That last night, go and prepare the Passover for us. He kept the Passover that they may eat together. And they went and found and they made ready the Passover. And he sat down with them and he said, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover and to keep it with you. He kept the Passover. And the sprinkling of the blood, he not only kept it, he fulfilled it. He is it. He fulfills it. It's prefigured in Moses, but Jesus Christ is the Passover. He is the sprinkling of the blood. He is the one who makes atonement. He is Himself in His blood, the atonement. He is the Saviour, the one who covers us, the one who passes over us to deliver us from the destroying wrath of Almighty God. He is the one who saves us from our sins. And all the consequences of them. At the Passover, he said, This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Not a bone of him shall be broken, the Bible says. And on the cross, his bones are not broken because the Passover is being kept. He's keeping the Passover as the being the Passover himself for us. And Christ, our Passover, Paul said, is sacrificed for us. And he passes through the waters as he redeems his people. He passes through the Red Sea of substitutionary suffering. He passes through a sea of blood, a baptism of blood. Even as he passed through the Jordan and came out onto the land, passing through the waters, that was a picture of what he had to go through to buy his people. I have a baptism to be baptized with he says. And it's his crossword. The red sea of his blood. He passes through. He does. And passing through his people who are in union with him, baptized onto him in that baptism of suffering, in their union to him by true faith, they pass through with him. And they come out into newness of life. Out of the waters of baptism. Being baptized into his death. They come out into newness of life. Out of the Red Sea as on dry land. Saved and redeemed. The accidents, Out of sin and out of the world. And out of bondage. Saved by him. Who did not refuse the reproach. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so he comes out the other side. And in his death he saves his people. And in his death as he comes out the other side. He destroys principalities and powers. And he makes a show of them openly. As all the dead are found floating in the waters of the Red Sea. And lying on the shore on the other side. Having been destroyed. In that which has saved his people. And so Jesus passes through the waters. And he comes up the other side. And the old is past. The old covenant is past. And now we're into the new. Into the new. And altogether new. Walking in newness of life. And the old is behind us. And Egypt is past. And now we come into conquest and victory for the church. Now we come into overcoming. And Paul, where does he go to? Straight from the Red Sea to where? The walls of Jericho fell down. He goes, as it were, to the victory. And this harlot, who received messengers with faith and was saved. With peace he received them and was saved. And that's what the sprinkling of the blood did. And that's what the Passover did. And that's what passing through the Red Sea did. It ultimately obtained the great deliverance, the victory and the triumph, and the destruction of Satan's kingdom, and the fall of Jericho, and the conversion of the unclean one. So Moses has gone. He's not at the fall of Jericho, he's not at the conversion of the Gentile. He has gone. He has gone to God. He has gone up to glory. His body could never be found. For he is gone. Now he died. I'm not sure what happened to his body. But in his body he did appear. On the mount of transfiguration. But he's gone. He's gone up to God. But the people of God. Continue the triumph. They continue the victory. And even the conversion. Of the Gentiles. And the church that comes out of the waters of the cross of Jesus Christ. Him being raised and ascended up and high and gone. But his spirit is still with us. And we go forth. And we conquer. And we face strongholds. The strongholds of Satan. We face the gates of hell. But the church grows and expands and not even the gates of hell, not even the gates of Jericho can stand against it. It grows and prevails and the kingdom of darkness falls and the walls of Jericho fall because the people of God in the Passover blood triumph. They triumph and they win the victory and the Gentiles are brought into the grace of God. And that's what this Rahab is. You see. This is where the story finishes. The Gentiles are pictured by Rahab. As one brought in. She receives the messengers. She receives the spies. Who bring the message with faith. She believes in the works of the Lord. She believed in the Passover deliverance out of Exodus. She had faith. Like Moses had faith. And she was added among the people of God. Though a Gentile, and an unclean, a very unclean Gentile, because what does Paul say? The harlot. The harlot, Rahab. The unclean, Rahab. And yet she comes to new peace. Christ's peace as he receives the messengers. My peace I give unto you, Jesus says. Even to you unclean Gentiles who believe in me, If you but believe in me, I give my peace to you. And we have believed in him. And we were very great sinners. And still are chief of sinners. But he gives us his peace. Through his grace. The peace that comes to us by the blood of his cross. Not as the world giveth giveth he unto us. You who have received the messengers of the gospel. You who have received the word of the evangelist. Rahab pictures you. Rahab prefigures you. You are this Rahab. You Gentile sinner who believe in Jesus. You are this Rahab who receives the messengers of the gospel in peace. In the peace of God. The pass of all understanding. That keeps our minds and hearts. Yes, even though unclean. Even though a sinner. Rahab is our sister in faith. And we are brethren and sisters with her. Through the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. We were as vile and as unclean as ever she was. What did Paul say? Writing to the Corinthians. Such were some of you. He's described a whole list of unclean people. Such were you, he says. But you're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the Spirit of God. And now, Rahab. Prefiguring the Gentiles. Is on the pilgrimage now. It's not just a pilgrimage of Jews. But it's a pilgrimage of Gentiles now together. All together. This is where Paul finishes the story before he goes into generalities in the following verses. And, child of God, this is your story. You who have been baptized into Jesus Christ by true saving faith, joined to him, you have died in him and died with him, and raised again with him, and you walk in the newness of life, in the new covenant now. In the kingdom. And you've been brought in. Even though you're a Gentile. You've been brought in. And you continue on the journey. Continue on the journey child of God. Be comforted tonight. You're Rahab. You have peace with God. You're saved and redeemed by blood. You have the faith of Abraham. The faith of Moses. The faith of Rahab. You're saved. Your sins have been forgiven. As far as the east is from the west. The Lord through his blood. His blood of sprinkling. Has separated them. As far as the east from the west. And so continue. Continue on. On the journey with your sister Rahab. Continue on. Looking by faith. For the better country. Continue on looking on to Jesus. The author and finisher. Of faith. Not looking back. But continuing on to the end. We're not of them who draw back, but them that continue to believe to the very final salvation of the soul. Keep on believing. Keep on continuing. Keep on enduring in the faith. And finish the course as all of these did. These all died in faith. This great cloud of witnesses that surround us. And one by one we are dying in the faith as well. Joining them. So keep on. Keep on believing. And keep on receiving the ministry of the gospel. In peace. And in faith. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit.